0: G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name is Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan a hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. And we're live. We are live. We are live. There we go. So Twice got that pause. What, well, that one?
1: That just happened there?
0: That goes, it goes dark, and I think, oh, is it going to work or not? And then it works. Every time so gents big news um rob from athena spatial has stepped up to the plate and is offering a if i get this right basically a custom map of either a state forest or a private property that you hunt as part of our you know um i don't even know what are we calling the competition the one where you know you just send us the picture of the animal that you've hunted this successfully this year that one
2: i don't think we gave it a name we okay. didn't give it a name i
0: think that will do nothing the christmas competition okay. let's call the it the christmas, christmas competition grin. the christmas competition so if you're have if you have entered the christmas competition which is running on our facebook page at the moment or you're thinking about entering the christmas competition that's running on our facebook page at the moment you already know that outdoor edge i'm going to try and get this right the outdoor edge what is it, Wild Pack 8-Piece Meat Processing Kit is up for grabs. Well, the one. That's the one. Now, that's the one. <laughs> now up for grabs as well is from Rob from Athena Spatial is a custom map of either a state forest or a private property that you hunt using the Avenza system. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so he's, uh, hmm. he's uh, a geospatial expert which means that he can create a map of an area that you want. And we used them when we went on our slam trip and we mm-hmm, used it we on our recent um, venison...
1: venison. Operation venison. Operation. Operation. Operation venison.
2: And it was just a game changer. Having having a map of the property that was, you know, clearly defined boundaries. So often you go to some of these places, especially if you pay for a block and you've never been there before and you book it through, you know, a, an online hunting um, booking agent you show up sometimes the owner's there sometimes he's not you've got some piece of paper that's not even laminated it's in a plastic bag and it's about 10 years old and it's wet and it's got random like sketches of boundaries and you just i've seen it time and time again Um, you don't get clear boundaries and you know we showed up at one one hunt recently Mm -hmm. and um the neighbor saw us coming in and he came paid us a visit and he wasn't real happy that there were people around uh, because the last hunters that had been there jumped the fence. Um, mm-hmm. Whether they knew or they didn't know, um, they just got that wrong and that, that annoys a lot of people. So Rob's got this fantastic service where he can, you can give him the address and he can create those maps that you load up into Avenza. And most of us at State Forest Hunt know about Avenza. If you don't know about it, it's a free app. Go and download it and you can upload these maps to it and it attracts you like a GPS little little uh, marker shows where you are, and as long as you're on the property, it'll show you exactly where you are, which is just fantastic. Um,
0: Sorry, go ahead.
2: The other thing that Rob did for us was he was able to give us some overlays to the map. So he was able to point out all the water sources on the block, and he was able to color code the map to show you uh, wherever you were standing, how many water sources you might be able to see at one point in time. So if you are in the grey area, you could see one or none. And if you were in the red area, you could see two water sources. And if you were in the blue area, you could see three different water sources from that point. So you knew where to go to be able to watch the water. If that's where, you know, if that's the type of hunting you're doing, which I thought was good. And the other one that he gave us was, um, it was a, another overlay that showed you um, uh, at any point in time when you were in um, shooting of, you know, visible shooting range of buildings or, you know, or homes or things like that um, just so that you knew if I was standing in this area, if I'm shooting at an animal, we all we all say that we, um, we've we got the background sorted out, we know exactly where our shot placement's going and, and what the backdrop looks like, but um, if you get that wrong, um, he shows you where some of those danger spots might be, which I thought was quite, quite a nice overlay. Um, not that I use that one specifically, but um, I think the service is excellent. Uh, so you can get those overlays. You can already get the maps for State Forest. You get those from DPI, but he can give you enhanced versions of them. Which, um, oh, which
1: it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a requirement
2: to have the maps for yep. State Forest. Mm. Yep. But um, Rob can give you an, an enhanced version of that with water sources mm. and, and you know visibility and things like that. So yep. Anyway, he's offered it up. I think it's a fantastic gift. So, Thanks very much, Rob, for your generosity, and we're going to give that away to somebody
0: somehow. Mark, and it's going to be an extra, so it's not like you win the lot. We're to, that's two. So there's two chances to win now.
2: Same competition,
0: is it? Same competition. Two chances to win. Oh. Mm, so, a high. That's right. You know, get in there if you. So if you don't get the. First prize, which is the uh, Outdoor Edge, you've got a chance for the Avenza mapping system. Excellent.
2: All right. And what hmm. do you got to do to win? You've got to send your hunting photo in Jesus. with Hang a, on. Of, a Hang on. of a story. that
0: so what it was. You got to <laughs> like, subscribe,
2: like,
1: like, subscribe, and post a photo. Five things. So five
0: things. Things. one, you got to post. You got to send us your photo. Two, you you got to give us some information about the photo. Um, three, you've got uh, you've got to uh, like our Facebook page. You've got to follow our Facebook page, and you've got to share the post. That will have your photo and your details in.
2: Oh, so they so so they
0: send us the photo, or they can they fully? can drop it in. Well, they can Dave Willey just dropped his straight in. You know, <laughs> he just went. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dave <laughs> Willey. He just went bang. Okay. Wait, just went, oh look, there's a new one there. I didn't even know. He just he dropped met, it straight in. Pom- but yeah. most 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 polite people, they send you this thing with a nightlight. Hey, look, really love your Facebook page or stuff. Here's my father. Here's a story. Here's just a bit. <laughs> so that's it. Right, so hi, that, there is that option. You can just do that. And in fact, some people have been so kind as that they've sent me the share. They said, "Here, look. I've you know, I've I've shared it." So, but yeah, I'm just jumping online now. And yeah. Just... There's
2: technicalities that'll 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 get you in there. You get get all of those things right with all that detail, and you... yeah, you're you're in for a really good shot, aren't you? Yeah, you can beat Dave.
0: That's it. You can beat Dave. Uh, and it's pinned. It's pinned. Where is it? There it is. There. Let's have a look. Let's we'll see who's on there at the moment. Come on.
1: Suspense is killing me, mate.
0: It is. It's killing me too. I can't even find it. So that's not what while, he's, while
2: he's waiting for that,
0: there are more there we giveaways that's coming. My, We're not going to tell you what they we are. Don't that. We don't there's want some, to hear the voice
2: there's, there's some pretty cool giveaways coming uh, that we'll mention shortly, not this episode, uh, but there's some mm. very, very good stuff coming that you're going to be interested in. So, keep, Yeah, very, so very cool, very
0: cool. and there's um, some really nice ones. In fact, uh, there is, what's his name? So there's Dave. He just dropped his in. Very good. Um, good write up from Chris Donahue um, I suppose it's Antonio Rosso has got one when it's him as a kid I thought it was really good shit with a rabbit sure. so yeah keep it going guys there's prizes to be
1: won awesome prizes yeah
0: okay
2: what are we talking about tonight I don't know you either no. <laughs> No, Um, I'll hold it away. There was a question that was posted to us a little while ago, which we thought was uh, a really good
0: question to ask. Uh, mm -hmm.
2: And it was... Oh, I
0: better pay attention then.
2: Yeah, well, it it came about because um, this fellow had been watching our podcast for quite some time, following what we do, where we go, uh, and the type of gear we use. Um, And he mentioned um, that we were lucky enough to be using some pretty nice gear um you know we we've got some good partnerships that that um, support us with the podcast so we've been playing around with different equipment over the year uh and we're very lucky to do that but just because we use that type of equipment uh, doesn't mean that you uh that you have to and that there are lots of options out there so um this uh this this question that was positioned to us was uh, what do you actually need to be able to get hunting what do you need to start hunting? Um, without having to invest crazy amounts of money on some of the equipment that we use and and some of the other people that you might see on the socials. So um, the question's out. Um, Mark will let you take it away. Um, Hunting on a budget, I guess, or for the the new person that's trying to get into it that may not want to invest a whole lot of coin into it straight away while they find their feet and get to figure out whether they like it or not. Um, Those that do have a tight budget at home, there's plenty of people out there. Um, you know, where do they start? Where do they go? How do they go about it on a budget?
0: You just you just asked like a thousand questions. Six significantly important questions. <laughs> um. So. To before we jump into that, there was a question about finding out if you like it or not. I think that's a really important question. If what what. You find you out like if you hunting. like it or not.
2: You know, that that's actually oh, a really important well, question. I thought mm. you smart as I said, you've got to find out whether you like Lycra or not. No, What's not Lycra. Like it. That's, like that's, it, <laughs> like it. Well,
0: what if you're a like, mammal? Look, I don't, look I'm, I don't. I've got to the age where if you tell me it's two plus two is five, I'll say, okay, carry on. So um, I don't care if you like Lycra or not. Okay. You've got to mm. find out if you like it or not. That's right. Mm. So, And I think that raises a really interesting question. Or, 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 so I've had people over the years who've gone, Oh, look, this looks really cool, or my mate does what yeah. you do, or da, 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 da. can I come along? And you know, one of the things that I say to them is that, Are you comfortable with things being killed? Hmm? That's what I say. D- like. so, are, are you yep. really comfortable with things? And they'll go, oh, I'm not sure. And I go, Well, then you don't want to find out after the fact. You need yeah. to, you need to have that right huh? in your head. It's not like fishing. If you kind of get upset, you can th- you can throw the fish back and you can <laughs> pretend it lives, and you know it, it finds Nemo that and that everyone's fly. happy. That's right. If <laughs> it goes belly up, just don't look, you know, and everything like that. But you don't do that when you hit when you shoot something. That doesn't happen. So I think that's that's a really important thing. So if you are comfortable with that, I think is the starting point. So so. The really easy answer is you can do this as cheaply as, you know, you can do this really, really cheaply. Uh, uh, So for me, I started out very – I started out in my teens. I didn't have any um, access to firearms. I had – except for an air rifle. I I had an air rifle when I was a kid. So. I went to the range, so I, when I was able to drive myself, so when I had enough money to have a car and a job to, f- to finance my car, uh, I drove to the range, and I hired gear, and that's where it all started. Okay, And I realized that, well, I knew that I wanted to hunt. So I would hunt basically out of the back of a Tirana, because that's what I had, uh, and I bought the cheapest, I bought the rifles I could afford and I shot the ammo that I could afford and I wore the clothes that I had on my back, basically. So I hunted in jeans and T-shirts and boots. I always had pretty good boots because as soon as I could afford good boots, I bought good boots because I always did lots of hiking and stuff like that. So I had good boots um, and I had hiking gear because that's kind of what I was into. So I had that, I had that. But it wasn't like, I didn't have like, you know, KU or MSR hunt, hiking gear. I had basically, you know, Camp Mart hunk, hiking gear, but I had hiking gear. So the entry point was pretty easy for me. And I I, I literally drove, it was expensive in a way because I had to drive to Emerald. But once I got there, I was allowed onto a property for free and so I'm when a, you say you were, live out the back you're, I live you're out s- the back of,
2: yeah, go you go hunting you were, I was I was trying to say um when you say you got into hunting a lot of people get into hunting by gun and bowling a few bunnies over the back paddock something like that you're yeah. literally starting hunting by driving 8 hours
0: to get them with real- a 30 <laughs> 30 and uh a pair of boots jeans t-shirt and I, they, I don't know the name of them, but disposal stores used to – well, when there was disposal stores, you know that those bags they used to sell that were made from that really, really kind of like um, bald cotton. I don't know what they actually call that stuff. You know, they're really, really super heavy backpacks and soft bags they used to make. I literally had one of them and I had a box of thirty thirty in it and a knife. Mm. And the first mm. knife I had was a kitchen knife, <laughs> a small one. sharpened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can chop mm-hmm. a knife, but it's a kitchen knife. So, so one of the first knives I bought for hunting was a Buck Vanguard, and I still have it. It's mm-hmm. I but I butchered it four or five times because I I hollow grind it and then i won't, and I do it. So the blade, you know, so like one of those meat work knives where it's it's a slender yeah. slither of meat. Uh, but that was it. So I had a thirty thirty. The reason I had a thirty thirty was I was a lefty, so I couldn't afford. Bold action rifles, because there was no real left bold action rifles, and what there was was really expensive. I wanted to be a cowboy, so I had a thirty thirty, and I wasn't smart enough to start with a twenty two, so I went I went straight to a thirty thirty. So that was it, and that's where I started. And I shot like that for a number of years, and I kind of bought different guns and shotguns and all sorts of things. But basically, my kit was pretty. Primitive. And so the single biggest cost for me was travel. Mm. Okay? That was the single biggest cost for me. I was travel. And when you when you um, say hunting, I didn't have, I did,
2: I, When yep. you say hunting, you, you, what were you chasing?
0: Pigs. I, I basically would drive to this property emerald and I'd start walking until I saw something worth shooting. And that was roos, pigs, dogs, whole lot. But basically so you were out most, there. mostly Mostly pigs,
2: out there to shoot stuff, not not bringing the meat home.
0: No, there's no, no was concept pure, of pure, pure shooting. Yeah. There's no concept of meat processing. So yeah. basically, it was armed bushwalking. Didn't really need much of a knife. So that, had your rifle. That's it. No, no no game <laughs> bag. Yeah. Of that stuff Wasn't required. So no bender. No. So venture, no re- uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I, <laughs> yeah, like literally, cars. literally, I had a leather belt that didn't go through my jeans like a second leather belt and I had a army water bottle on that belt. So and I hunted like that for a lot of years. And when I did spend money, I spent money on either rifles, knives, boots. <laughs> the three things I spent money on um and then i started buy other so i bought other because i said i always had some nice hiking gear so i had like a good compass and a reasonable quality sleeping bag and a reason and i had thermo and stuff like that so that stuff was always because i used to do hike racing and stuff like that so i had that kind of stuff covered but my shooting gear i didn't have binoculars for donkey's years i didn't have a scope for donkey's years because i didn't i shot lever actions and I could only you know, and there was two types of lead reactions. There was Winchester, which were top eject, so you couldn't put a scope on it. And rich guys had marlins that had side eject. So Rich guys. Yeah, that's it. John? That's right. So that's where it started, and that carried right up through to Port Arthur. And then I had a ten year hiatus um because of Port Arthur so I didn't shoot anything for 10 years and then when I got back in it in 2006 to, well 2007 so about 10 years later I had money in my pocket I had a different I was a different job different you know I was a professional and I was living near the city and I was driving a little sports car and I had coin in my pocket and I started buying nice stuff uh, but even I when I look at the photo, so and but what happened was I had no access. So I had I now I had the opposite, I had coin, but no access. Mm. So I joined ADA and um I bought my first bold action left hand bold action rifle, which I still own. Tika. And that's one of the reasons why I like Tika so much, because they brought out really good a good range of left hand bold action rifles. I bought a Tika. I bought a scope. That a rifle was a scope on it. Um, and when I was in the ADA, I learned about the R license. So I was I was hunt. I'd pay. You know, I was doing that thing with the ADA where I was paying to hunt up in the blocks in uh, Brisbane Valley um, through what they call the QDMG. And I discovered this thing called the R license by walking because I basically almost had like a place to sleep. Almost had like a permanent. You know, chair in Queensland Gun Exchange. I was in there so often when they were still in the valley. And, um, in the valley? Yeah. Queensland Gun Exchange used to be in the valley.
1: Whereabouts in the valley?
0: Uh, on Anstrick, on the main drag. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I was going there on Saturday morning after a night on the piss. Me and Tim would head straight into Queensland Gun Exchange, still reeking of grog, and just go, Give me, give me, give me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then we go to the range and just shoot all day so um but when I looked at this stuff like so with our license that got me hunting so again so that was a very you know you know again it was a pretty cheap entry point uh you know, licensing and stuff like that once that costs and again the, the cost really came down to travel so you know we were traveling into Severn so I, I've hunted Severn I don't know how many times But Severn was a pretty, so, you know, it was a four hour run one way, so eight hours worth of fuel. So, again, relatively cheap hunting. Um, And I've got all my photos because this time in 2000, before that, I never carried a a camera. I've always carried a camera since. And I look back at all those old photos and I'll actually, I reckon we'll post some of them up. I'm wearing army disposal gear. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing, so, When I shot my first goat in Pilliger, I'm wearing a ridgeline t shirt, a pair of brown shorts. I still got my army water bottle on my belt, still there. And I got a tikka rifle. Um, And I got uh, gaiters on and a pair of old boots. When I shot the first fallow in uh, Nundal, I've got army disposal pants, I got uh some kind of um it probably Stony Creek, um, fleece, uh, and an army disposal vest on. And when I shot my first goats in Severn, I'm wearing almost exactly the same outfit. The only the only so the only hunting clothes are that um a fleece and a blaze-iron orange Remington cap. So even then, I was still doing it pretty cheap. Hmm.
2: You didn't progress too far to becoming the cowboy
0: that you thought you were going to be. I was no, I didn't. I've <laughs> well, no, be, become the cowboy in other ways. I've got two You've pairs got of same frame boots. Woody. <laughs> i got, I, I, got, I, you know, I got area boots and area jeans. I can become a different kind of cowboy.
1: A pants. cubra. No, no,
0: no, 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 I'm wearing a Cobra. I never wore it. look like a roofing guy with big hat. Um, I got I got the boots and all that stuff, but hmm. yeah. So I, but I mean, so the entry points were pretty easy in terms of cost for me, and that's because when I started, I was, I was a second, I was a second year apprentice, and I was a second year apprentice when no one, you know. Your mates who are on the dole used to laugh at you because they made more money than you did in your apprentice, you know, that kind of – that's when I was a second-year apprentice when it was like, you know, you literally got – I think I got – in second year, I, I I think I got to three figures for pay. I think I got – I cleared $102 a week for that. In the first-year apprentice, I was in the high 90s. I was 97 or something. So I yeah, never it wasn't had it.
2: relative though. Mm. What was the rifle worth? Yeah.
0: Well, no, it wasn't relative because I used to drive a V8 Trana, so it was like I knew exactly. <laughs> it was how was much, cheap. <laughs> yeah, oh, but yeah. I, I knew, else yeah, was but cheap. Yeah, but I knew that. I knew that when I started on, on you know, I knew where the needle had to be on Sunday night so I could drive oh, yeah, work for the next one. When I when <laughs> so I got like,
2: paid, I got paid cash in a little envelope. Yep. The little I worked, and it mm-hmm. was counted down to the coins how yep. much I got paid that week, and I knew. Mm-hmm that I could pay my mum back the car loan because she bought the car when I started work. I could pay my mum back the instalment for the car loan. I could pay my week's board. I could fuel the car up, which was enough to get me to work and back and to the city to chase girls on the weekend. I could buy uh, a fifty gram pack of tobacco and I could buy a couple <laughs> yep. of years. And that would yep. pay done. done. I was done. finished. And I was lucky to have I, board I, because that covered my lunch for work for the rest of the week.
0: And then I'd do it all over again. That was like I was. I was. I, I either went for a beer, or I went. I had. I went out looking for girls on Saturday night, or I had a beer on Friday night. But I couldn't afford to do both. it all. I we like, <laughs> drink a night. Okay, oh, that's it. So I'm, so I'm. I'm watching oh, TV. Yeah. I'm watching TV on Saturday night. That's it. Yeah. Trana sitting all in the driveway.
2: Let's flick to Jono. How, how how did what was the the baseline kit for you when you got into honey?
1: Well, for me, so I got into hunting as a as a teenager late teen um we've spoken about it on the podcast before so my mate rory at school um he was a he came from a, a hunting family and he got me interested in hunting um i didn't go on my first hunt until i was 18. why because i had my first car which was given to me by my mother i didn't have to buy it i was very lucky which was a small very small single cab butte, um like a jam Type style you, that you would get here in Australia was one of those um, and the first rifle I ever had wasn't mine, it actually belonged to um, a family friend who was a doctor who had a lot of money and um, he um, he he kind of loaned me my first rifle so he he had a big I remember as I said he was a doctor, he was very wealthy, he had a huge wolf, walk-in gun room which I'd never seen before and I went round to his house and um i walked into this room and it was just wall-to-walls rifles and he was
2: Everyone like a gun room.
1: <laughs> oh just not everyone's got one mate like you yeah, yeah. awesome <laughs> sorry Kevin. But, but the the first rifle i ever got to use was a bruno so the precursor to cz was the original bruno and it was a 270. Ooh. i'd never shot a rifle before um apart from a daisy air air rifle that my neighbor had or someone from two houses down the road that we used to be allowed to go and shoot and I'd shoot the occasional dove, but um, I'd never known a rifle before. And the rules in South Africa back then were a little bit loose. You were allowed to loan a rifle to a, a unlicensed person as long as they were over the age of eighteen and you had a letter of permission. Hmm. So he would write a handwritten letter saying, "I oh, hereby allow Jonathan Steele to uh, to use this this rifle, and I could keep it at home." I didn't. I had a safe. I actually went to the local. Uh, Costco type store and bought a uh, a gun safe for as little little money as possible. But I could borrow that; I didn't have to buy it. And I went shooting. I'd never shot a rifle before. Um, and first shot, I got a nice big weather bee on the top of the eye and the the the, eyebrows with the 270. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was that was the first rifle, so I didn't have to buy it. It was it was loaned to me. I was very fortunate you know, the, the licensing laws at the time allowed you to, to, to borrow a rifle. From a clothing perspective, Disposals Army surplus store was my friend. I went down there, found a big jacket, found some clothes. Um, literally, you would rummage through some bins trying to find something that would fit you. And that, that was the first hunting clothes that I bought. Um, I invested in a good pair of boots. For me, boots has always been important because of my feet. Um, so I bought a good pair of boots. I think my mother bought me my first pair of boots. I think They were a pair of high-techs hiking boots um but otherwise otherwise clothing was army disposable with the army disposals should i say that was my first hunting clothes i remember going to a local factory seconds outlet store um, where they sold the the sort of reject um clothing from from the hiking equipment so it was like a an army type green um and it was all cheap it all had a hole in the sleeve or had a misprint or something like that that was the first clothes i bought it wasn't you know they were seconds they were rejects um but it served a purpose for me it was cheap i didn't have much money um from a hunting perspective um south africa is slightly different it's all private land it's all half fence Well, most of it's half end stuff so we would shop looking around and you know we'd buy the local hunting magazine every month that comes out and just before hunting season at the back, they would have all the hunting opportunities. You could go through there and the, all the farmers would list what was available to hunt, and we would shop by price. What was the best bang for buck, basically? What's the biggest animal we could get? What's the animal that's going to yield us the most meat? Because that's what we're hunting for, was meat. So we would look through that, ring up the farmers, see what availability they've got, and then head out and um, you know go and shoot what we could. It was as cheap as possible. Um, I think the first animal I shot, would have cost me 40, $40, which when I was 18, 19 years old was a lot of money, but it yielded me so much meat. And as you know, South Africans love their biltong. So I remember the first night on the first hunt I ever did, sitting in there cutting up meat, and I was hooked. That was me set for life. Um, once I started working and I got a little bit of money, I um I actually, my first rifle I bought was a German Kriko 308, which was a secondhand rifle. And it was actually very cheap. I think it cost me. Probably about $200, um, probably not even that much. And the reason why it was so cheap is the previous owner had actually on the on the side of the stock had engraved his initials and I'll use like J and a heart and an S. He had actually engraved his initials and loved somebody else on the, on the side of the stock. And so it actually engraved it into the wood and it was up there for sale in the gun shop and it was, it was so cheap. And I said, could you grind that out? you know, sort of take a, um, you know, cut out that piece of wood and replace it. And he said, yep, I'll do that for you if you buy it. So I bought that and it cost me nothing. That was the first rifle I ever bought. And the mm. only reason I got it so cheap was because someone had actually scratched in the initials of, you know, like some, you know, someone does on a tree in the park yeah. or something like that, like J loves S or whatever. He had actually done that on the side of the rifle. Why he decided to do that. I don't know, but, um, it got me a cheap rifle and you know, I've, I've still owned that rifle to this day, which is probably what. Coming up to 27 years later, I still own that rifle. Um, it's sitting in South Africa. Will I ever hunt with it again? I hope so. Um, it's sitting with my, my best mate, Rory, the guy who introduced me to hunting. It's, it's in his safe. Um, and when I went back in 2018, I hunted with it because it's, it's the first rifle I ever owned. So for me, it's special. It's awesome.
2: My story is a bit more tragic. and <laughs> probably a little bit more embarrassing. No, I... Um, I uh, been brought up in New Zealand, our our gun laws over there were either loose or I didn't know about them, so I didn't care. Um sort of how it was. Um most kids I knew had uh slug guns. You know, growing up we all had slug guns and I had this really awesome collapsible double sprung slug gun that was just deadly. You could shoot and because in New Zealand possums were feral, um, a pests you could go and shoot possums out of trees and this this um the slug gun could shoot a possum through a piece of corrugated iron and it would knock it over. It was a pretty powerful piece of piece of gear. Uh, and as kids do, um, we modified that thing and, and got an extra powerful spring put in it. And yeah, it was a bit of fun to start with. But um, I, going back, I idolized my uncle. I had one uncle on my dad's side. He was a military man. And whenever he would come to visit, I'd ask him stories all about this, you know, his life in the military and things like that. And um one day he dropped off a full set of pack webbing um ration packs clothing um you know all the camouflage netting like pretty much a full set of kit that he had uh he just brought it and dropped it off and i was just like oh my goodness i've got all this stuff that i can now you know pretend i'm a soldier and not a cowboy i'm the soldier boy instead and um and I would go up, you know, we had bush up behind us and I'd put the pack on and I'd go camping and take my own stuff up there and I'd wear the webbing and you know, and all the cams and I'd go up there and make my little hut and I'd survive overnight and I'd come back and I thought it was awesome. Um but as I got a bit older and I got the slug gun and I'd then go, you know, wandering the neighbours' paddocks and shooting bunnies and, and shooting possums and, and the bunnies was what did it for me for the meat because mum said, Well you should bring it home. Bring the bunny home and we'll cook it. So I did it and it was beautiful and then I could go, you know, I could go out on the weekend and go and shoot some bunnies and bring them back. And I thought that was just the best thing ever as a, as a young, you know, preteen pretty much. Um, for me, um, so I probably had, I'm not going to say it's great gear, you know, it was an Alice pack, you know, from probably Vietnam days and, uh, and some old webbing, but it, you know, it was serviceable and it did a great job and it carried everything I needed to. Um, I remember, these packs had these quick release things on them. So if they came under fire, you could just flick a thing on the, and the whole pack would fall off. Well, that component of my pack was faulty. So I had to walk everywhere, hanging on to my pack strap so that it didn't fall off, you know. And I'd be hiking for six hours like that through the, the Kaimai ranges back home, you know, hanging on to the pack strap so it didn't collapse on me. Um, but that was all pretty good um boots for me um again it was army issue um i'd go down to the surplus store as well it was one of my favorite shops as a kid whenever we went to the city and they were called gp boots general purpose boots black leather terrible for your feet um but you know if your feet got used to them you could go anywhere in those boots and i just absolutely loved wearing those boots so um i had this terrible pair of gp boots and all of this old army gear um but later on after the slug gun, um I was I was dating a girl in town and her dad had a twenty two and he would let me borrow it and go down to where I was working where they'd pay me five dollars a rabbit. Because I worked at a rose nursery and the rabbits had come down the lanes and chew all the rose buds off. Right. So I could take that and that would earn me my second cut and a beer for the week, which I thought was pretty damn cool. Um and even when I came back, um uh, some years later, I ended up joining the military and I'd come back for Christmas holidays and I'd go and get my girlfriend's 22 and I'd go down to the Rose farm and I'd shoot for beers pretty much. That's how it worked. Um, but I spent a lot of time up in the ranges behind home. I was lucky enough to live in a in an area which was about a 10-kilometre strip of land wide with the ocean on one side and the mountain range on the other. So we'd either go fishing or we'd go hunting. And I spent, I spent so much time up in that bush Mum would drop me off at the end of a track. I'd stay up there for a week, a week and a half. I'd meet her out at another track. She'd resupply the food. I'd check in. She'd know I was safe, and I'd go back again. Um, originally, wasn't hunting. I was just adventuring with friends. would go up there, and the ration pack that came in that army surplus stuff, I wrote all of the bits down, and every time I wanted to go hunting, I would go and make my own ration pack from the supermarket. And I remember mum saying it was the cheapest thing I could ever do on a school holiday because it would only cost me twenty bucks for a week's worth of food and off I'd go, gonna be out over here and you know, she'd be able to do whatever with my siblings. So that's sort of how I got into it. And eventually we started running into pigs and deer and all sorts of things, and it all just um, sparked my curiosity. But um in the early days I was never uh lucky enough to have a Cenopy rifle. So um, you know, we were able to find the deer, but uh, it was actually illegal to take twenty-two into the bush uh, because you'd be um, you'd be prosecuted for potentially attempting to shoot uh, native birds, which was, was a big thing over there. So never really got onto onto deer as a hunter myself, unless I was with other people. Um, and then eventually I left uh, New Zealand and moved to Australia. And after my hiatus in my early teens no not early teens early twenties. Um, I eventually picked it back up again and I've told this story before as well. My first hunting rifle when I moved into when I moved to Toowoomba, I went to the open range where the um the state president of the ADA owned a shop called the open range and I walked in and said, I want to hunt deer. And he said, Have I got the gun for you?
0: <laughs>
2: a, no disrespect to Pete. Uh he's a top lake. Not sure if he got more commission on this one than the other one, but he had the package. It was all worked out perfect. And it was a Remington 700 270, and I, um, I've i still got that rifle. It sits in my safe. My son will probably get it um, when he's old enough. But um, it was a pretty cheap rifle package at the time that suited my budget because I didn't earn a lot of money. And we were living on some land where I could go feraling. You know, I could go and um, knock over some roos and I could knock over some pigs. But that was pretty much it until I then joined the ADA, and that got me seriously involved with deer and really haven't looked back since then. But um, as far as doing it on the cheap, um, in the early days, it was easy. It was all gifted. I used what I had. Um, I serviced what I had and I borrowed so that I could go and do stuff much like you were talking about, Jono. Um, When I started up here, I don't think I had army surplus, but I had a lot of leftover gear from when I was in the military and that was good enough for me. So um, I, I guess the message, you know, from my perspective is, you know, try and get some earthy clothes, earthy tones rather than blues and reds, but use um, what you've got, just get into it and
1: go and have a stab. It's interesting, all three of us own the first Senafire we ever bought, basically. We owned I, I don't. I don't have still, my.
0: 30, we, I don't have my thirty thirty. You don't have your thirty thirty.
1: No, no. You still got your Tika, Your left handed bolt I,
0: I got my. In what I call my second hunting life, I've still got the Tika, but I haven't got that thirty thirty, which mm. is a shame because it. I, it was actually, now that I know about a little bit about it, it's a shame that I haven't got it. It was actually. I'm pretty sure it was a 1930s circa thirty thirty. So, hey Mark, can
2: you up your volume a bit, mate?
0: Sure, buddy, sure. I'll just drop the mic down. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a um 1930 circa, 3030. I suppose the other leading to that too is I mean, that's your personal gear, but then there's kind of the the bigger gear, which is also a concern for people. Do I need, you know, a four drive? Do I need what kind of hiking gear do I need? Things like that again, you know, the, the the entry point doesn't have to be at that high level. Um if you're going to hunt a state forest, you're probably not likely to hunt uh, sorry, to hike with a pack on. You're going to be hunting with a pack on, but you're not likely to hike with a pack on. So you, you don't mean you're mean... not
2: doing you're not doing no, so you're, not you're not backpack hunting. You're not
0: backpack hunting. So you don't need to carry your stuff on your back. And if you don't need to carry stuff on the back, i.e. you're carrying it in your car, then, you you know, Camp Mart or whatever it is or Anaconda or BCF, that level of camping gear will be just fine, if not possibly more comfortable than super lightweight small stuff. So, you know, again, the price point there is very easy to get into. The first pigs I shot in Nundle uh we shot didn't shoot him out of but the vehicle of choice was tim's mitsubishi lancer we would hunt nundle in the lancer and what we would do is we just drive along forest way until we could we were confident the track that we were going to turn in on that we could get out of so yeah this one looks pretty stable and we drive in and then we'd pretty quickly kind of go okay here's where we're going to stop We'd stop and we'd just get out and walk and sure enough, we'd find game. So uh, we didn't have, and so, and if we ever carried anything out, we had to carry it back to the car because we could not take the car to it. I, as I said, the first vehicle we had was the Lancer. And then I got myself a four wheel drive, but that was a few years into it. So didn't need the, you know, that lay, outlay to start with as well. And, I'm pretty sure that most, uh, yeah, the first time, the first few years when we were camping, as in when we were hunting, it was pretty. It was either just straight normal camping gear, or it was even less. I remember there was one year we, at Severn, we were just under a under a tarp with um, stretcher beds and and Different sleeping knows. bags and stuff like that. So again, and you know, and cooking gear was those cheap, you know, butane cookers and things like that, and Eskies. So it's things that most people will have, or at least have access to. So you don't need to go into that gear. I, I kind of think that that shouldn't stop you aspiring to owning a nice gear. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm a gift, of hmm? victim, a victim maybe of that myself. But I think what you do is, as you as the more experienced you, or make more experiences that you have. The better your ideas about what kind of gear really works for you, and so then you start to experiment, you start to go, well, you know is it that kind of boot? is this kind of boot is it that kind of clothing is that you know and so on and so forth but I think you almost need to go through that period where you 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 kind of don't have exactly what you need because you learn pretty quickly from it mm-hmm. and I think, oh, for sure. I,
2: think you, I think you then um, you know if you're working on a budget like many of us have. Uh, you end up upgrading the things that are going to give you a better opportunity mm. you're going to upgrade your scope potentially you might then upgrade yep. your binoculars um having matching shirt and pants it's not going to change yep. much it doesn't yep. matter i know a, a lot of people spend more money on having the latest matching everything so that they you know they're branded to one brand you know sure if that's your thing that's fine but for a, for someone who's starting on a budget it's really not necessarily, and you can you, you can focus you can focus your budget on things that are going to help you succeed more.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's it. You build you you build your kit around the the most important stuff, and then you kind of build out from that. So, mm. and uh, you know, to me, rifles have always been the kind of centerpiece. Oh, you know, I say it, it, you, when, you... when whenever we go away hunting on a trip, I go. If I forgot anything, as long as I haven't forgot the rifle and the bolt and the ammo, the rest I can. You know, I, I'll get by without with everything else. Yeah, you can walk in jeans I, if you need that, to. That's it. Well, I've got i got a photo that I was hunting in the pillager and it's got to be only a couple of years old. A couple of years old, maybe, maybe, maybe a bit more. Maybe like two thousand and nineteen or two thousand eighteen, something like that. I can look it up. But I'm I'm wearing jeans hmm. and I'm wearing a you know, a Columbia fishing shirt because it's a pillager and that actually makes a lot of sense in that country, you know. So i I'm sure you could hunt it in as you said in in the in the in matching camo, but I'm holding that Tika rifle with the thirty you know in thirty oh six that's 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 the anchor point of that whole that whole so hunting trip.
2: Go go let's talk about the rifle then the rifle is the centerpiece but you can get some damn good relatively cheap secondhand rifles that are going to shoot Mm -hmm. straight. They might not be the prettiest. They might be scratched up. That's okay. They're going to get that way anyway, unless you're Jono and you don't take it out when it's raining. That's Uh, only for the special ones. (laughs) But, you know, there is is a lot you can get for your money without having to go and buy brand-new fiberglass fluted blah, 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 blah,
1: Mm. right? Well the first the first rifle I bought was as I said that second hand three oh eight which had someone had engraved initials into the stock. Mm. Um did it it met did, did I like what they had done? No. But it met a price point as what I could afford. It was my first rifle and I could afford it. I couldn't afford anything else. As I said, I had it fixed, it cost me a couple of hundred bucks and this is RANs, so you know, it was pretty cheap for a a, a, um, a gunsmith just to use a uh, a, a router or something like that to cut it out and stick a piece of wooden and, um, the, um, the, you know, I still own that rifle. It's scratched up it's, but it still works. It was cheap and, um, um, yeah, as I said, I still own it. And I bought a second hand 22. Um, it was scratched up. It was, you know, been through the wars, but it's, it's, it's as accurate as anything. And I love that little 22. And you know, you can spend a little money later down in life, you can have it, you know, seracoded or something like that if the bluing is, you know, worn off, which this one is, and one day I might do that. But for me, it gives it a lot of character. And it doesn't have to be a brand new, you know, five thousand, ten thousand dollar rifle just for it to uh, to perform as better if not, you know, than a than a, a couple hundred bucks secondhand rifle. You know, a lot you can get some pretty good deals out there. Yeah.
0: I mean, the the kind of the 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 add-on to that is that you know, reviewing a number of rifles, rifles that I do, what's, what I've seen, in, especially in, in rifles that are available in Australia, it's kind of like what happens in fishing, you know. Like Shimano will bring out a reel and it'll be like their top-line reel and it'll have all their bits and pieces in it and it'll be like a, you know, it'll be a many many $100 reel. And what happens is over the over the following years, you know, that, that, Technology kind of keeps dropping down, and so eventually you get down to a hundred dollar reel that's pretty spectacular compared oh. to you know um what a hundred dollar reel might have cost a few years ago and I've seen that trend in rifles too um, the number of entry grade rifles that you can buy now that shoot sub MOA or MOA oh. that are often semi customized to start with. Like um, I was looking at a, I I reviewed a Savage 110 Backcountry. I mean, it's not the cheapest rifle, but it's by no means is it like Seiko price. And, you know, it was fluted. It had the aftermarket stock on it. It was color-coded. It was all these kind of things. Shot like a, you know, like a demon. Um, And, you know, the Frankie rifles, there's a, Mm. they're, Look like a really I haven't I haven't tried one I've shot one but haven't really done it in any in depth with them at the moment. They look like a very very good price point rifle. So in fact you know you can actually buy new now or you know or or very late new and get some really nice gear for for a reasonable price. Of course where you don't save a lot of money is in optics. We haven't yet figured out how to make gra- glass cheap. Or, or maybe they'll never will, but that's it. So, you know, it, it, if we're looking at rifles, I, when people say, what rifle should I buy, you know, and which is always a, an awkward question because there's so many kind of, well, what do you intend to do with it? What's your price point? What, all those kind of things. And so people start espousing their brand. Like I, I shoot Remington, buy a Remington type thing. A big question about that that often isn't covered off is what optics should I put on top of it? Because ultimately that's the optics is the interface between you and the rifle.
1: Mm.
0: So it's got to be, it's good. So I always, I think I always say, you know, buy a nice rifle, but if you've got any kind of money left in the tank, spend it on optics.
1: I mean, Sp- for me having the first rifle that I owned, I bought a, a Bushnell scope. Mm. Um, it was a entry level Bushnell certainly, you know, three to nine by 40, I think it was pretty standard, um, magnification, great scope, worked mm. perfectly. Um, I, when I moved to the UK, I started hunting and a three to nine by 40 bushnell is not going to cut it in the type of hunting you do there. Cause you're doing stand hunting, you're doing hunting that really, really last lot and first lot. And I think i told the story on the podcast before, but I was sat in, in a, in a high seat there in the UK overlooking the paddock. And I had a pair of cheap Bushnell binoculars that I bought off eBay, I think it was. And I was there with a guard, who's actually a friend of mine, Austin, and he was nudging me saying, in the field, there's deer, there's deer. And I was putting up these these Bushnell binos, and I couldn't see the deer. And he hands me his pair of Swarovski binoculars and there's 20 deer sitting in the field. Um, So depending on what hunting you're doing, it should should dictate what optics you're going to get. If you're going to be hunting a lot of lost light stuff, you really want that quality European optics, um, obviously Swarovski's up there, um, you know, ZAS, but, you know, the Steiner and, and those sort of optics, they, they work so well in that last light. Um, for general purpose, yep. you don't potentially don't need as high quality, but its I think you should be spending, you should be investing more in your, in your optics than you should on the rifle. That's my view.
2: They're making some pretty good um, scopes these days that have a, a really dynamic range, don't they? Like mm-hmm. this, uh, the Predator Eight um, is—I can't even remember what it is. It's a two to what?
0: Ah, uh, that's the eight. So well, it's a—it's an eight. So it's a two to sixteen.
2: Yeah, like it's a—it's—it's it's quite a broad range. Um, so you can use that for open country and close quarters at two power. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: so I think they're making—you know—they're they're making optics with a much bigger range now. Than they used to. That's the first scope I had. It was the Bushnell Five for Fifteen. Um, not the best idea for, um, close quarter hunting spot and stalk with a five power minimum, but, um, every ex-military guy thinks he's a sniper and this looked like a really cool scope when I bought it and I didn't know anything about what I was looking for. Um, thanks. Thanks Pete. Um, but yeah, I think I moved on from that fairly quickly. Um, just because I was looking through the scopes of friends that I was hunting with and, Uh, As to your point, John, they were seeing stuff that I couldn't, or I was seeing things through my binos that I couldn't pick up through my scope, and that's a real pain in the ass. And you know Mm. the animals right in front of you, but you can't pick it up. Um, Is no good. So there's a combination there of things that you need to uh, need to buy. But at the end of it, when we're talking about getting into hunting, anything's better than nothing to start with. If you can big borrow, and steal, plenty of stuff that you can buy secondhand um, to get you going. But to Mark's point. probably go more on the optics than you do you know on on upgrading the rifle itself to start with.
0: Another challenge I think happens to a lot of people and, and it's because you know they don't maybe they don't have people to to lean on and where or where they're getting the information from is that they I think what I see a lot and I mean and there is a reason for going that way if that's what you, you know if you're into um, competition shooting a long range shooting or practical. You know, people are building those rifles that are really they look cool. They're, they're they, there's a fair bit of money invested in them, but their actual practicality of hunting is questionable. So and that doesn't mean it's a bad rifle. It's just about the application. And I think one of the things you learn by again by doing is what works in the right application for you. Mm. You've got to get to that mm-hmm. point where you, you're, you've you you got to immerse yourself enough in it where you can actually start to make informed decisions for yourself. And, I, and so what I say to people is I'd much rather you start and maybe not get it right the first time and go, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, so I know now what I need to do rather than try and get it right the first time by just purchasing stuff and actually end up with all the stuff that doesn't work for you. Um you know, and that can be from that that's rifles and scopes, but I mean that's boots that's clothing that's a whole lot of things you've gotta you've gotta immerse yourself into it and actually find out what works for you and then start kind of pushing from that point um i mean i've I've changed setups changed my mind changed you know oh, I do it constantly to be honest i'm always refining yeah. i mean I've just refined my binocular rig. Because, you know, I used to have a binocular, rangefinder, radio. That was the, the rig. And a personal locator locator beacon. So new binoculars have the rangefinder built in. So don't need to carry a rangefinder. Use the Zolio. Don't need a personal locator beacon. Using the Zolio and with uh, the phone and the events and mapping, don't need the the radio and the GPS. So you kind of, you do refine over time. And then actually, you know, I think what I've done is actually I'm carrying less, more practical stuff, but you, I think you have to really do go through that and learn that yourself. It's very, very hard to give someone that advice and say, buy this, do
1: that. And so on and so forth. I mean, everyone's different.
0: Yeah. It's not only that they're different. It's just that, you know, they're, what the how the hunt's going to play out for them is different. You know, those kind of... Everyone hunts differently. Is, that's it. I, um,
2: yeah, I mean, if I was going to give some advice around that, I and not everyone is going to agree with this at all, but um, for those that are getting into hunting, it is much, much cheaper, in my opinion, to get the gadgetry centered around the phone. We've spoken about this before. Mm. You know, the Garmin Rhino... With you know, it's a great piece of equipment. You know, the, the handheld, the GPS, it's robust. Um, it's a you know, it's got your two way radio built into it, it's freaking expensive. Yeah, and it's quite, 750
0: it, bucks or something like that.
2: Yeah, so it's a lot of money, and sure, you pay for what you get, but I've not found a Garmin Rhino user, right, that really knows how to use that thing very well. It's there's so much to it. There's lots of features. There's lots of capability in it. Most people learn the basics. Half the people can't get the radio to bloody work because it's got it's got settings on it that if you don't get them right, it can't talk to a normal radio. It's got you know um in in band um, security settings or whatever they call it. Can't even remember what it's called. But I, I know that we we I was in a scenario at the bottom of the Alps in New Zealand where we needed to radio back up to camp to let them know that we were okay. And um, I almost think that the Rhino came out of the plastic at that point and hadn't even been tested by a mate that owned it. We just thought you could turn it on, push the button and start talking. It wasn't the case. My point really is everything's converged on the mobile phone to to what Mark was talking about before. The GPS is there. The messaging's there with the Zolio. Sort of does away with the radio a bit. Um, There's so much you can do with that. And the apps are free. And the phone you know how to use talked about this on a previous podcast if you're going to go and invest in radios and gps's and all of that sort of stuff have a look at what can center around the mobile phone first because Mm. you can probably do most of it there without investing too much and by knowing how to use it it's important you do
0: i think that's a really good point and the thing is that that's only just started to happen too yeah that's right Mm, because i mean I, i was doing a gear clean out a couple of nights ago and there's i've got a rhino in there and it's it's in a pretty good condition. Anyone want to buy a rhino? Give me a call. I've got no, one. Have a look at there. our
2: pre-blooded page on the website. You'll
0: see it up there shortly. You know, And in that box with the rhino is also my personal locator beacon. It's in there. And I pulled the range finder out because I'm just going to let my boys play with it. It's a little Nikon. It's a cheap range finder, a little Nikon um, Pro Staff. But these are all things that have basically been superseded by quality equipment that have brought all that together. So, you know, you, it brings it all together. And as you said, um, that rock, the the rhino, or any of the garments, they have an, a massive amount of functionality that yeah. you don't even look at. You know, no, there's yeah. there's the amount of functionality that they have. You know, compared to what you, for most people, the reason why you're carrying a GPS, especially on public land hunting, is to make sure you're you're legal. You know, most people aren't navigating by it most of the time. They they'll navigate back to the truck, but while they're hunting, they're not kind of Navigating with it, they're, they're looking for gain. So you're not using it as a navigation tool. You're using it more as a location tool or a locating tool, and also like a legality tool. To make sure you don't cross any boundaries. Don't make sure you're not in the wrong place, the wrong wrong pl- time. You know, no one's no one's hunting and going. Oh, okay, I need to go on a bearing this much because the deer at you know that point. Hmm. You don't. You're not I, doing that. I, 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 I certainly like, do hiking. that on the way out. Yeah, but you might no. kind of go. I want to go to that place, and you might say, "Okay, I'm going to go that way." But if the, if on the hill up there, there's you see the monarch on the glen, you're not going to go. Well, hang on, the bearing says to go that way. You're just no, going no, to no, go. No. Put that in my no, pocket.
2: I've used it in more than more than one occasion to flop my way back to the car. So you've wandered around That's all day, it. and I That's now know it. I've got three k's to go. And if I go yeah. straight, it's going to hurt. I need to go round that. And up yeah. that, not down that, and and a, you know, and I'll and I'll get back to where I. But again, I, I won't I won't be using the Garmin to do that. I'll be using a Venza on the phone. That's right. It's, what no, you're what you need to way.
0: do to get home to Brett you know, would be for a Garmin like you know one percent of its functionality and power. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you just basically go and, You know, you drop well, your so waypoint then, for your car and just say go well, home, basically. While you're you having know, your break, be,
2: you can look at the tides. <laughs> And you yeah. can do some yeah, geocaching. There's a geocaching app on the Okay, go find a cache,
0: anyone, see if there's anyone got a painted rock <laughs> or you somewhere, or something like that. Or you yeah, can, you know, go through your waypoint, you know, markers and, uh, you know, track managers, and maybe rename everything or something like that. But you know what you're actually using it for? You, it's the basic GPS would do the same functionality. You just need it for the mapping. So you need to buy a, a better, higher quality one for mapping, and once you get that on your phone and you're comfortable having it on your phone, then you know
1: you kind of supersede that. But we're talking and- Garmin GPS. The other thing as well is watch. Yeah, I've got a, Gar- watch. I've got a Garmin watch, and yeah. when I start a, when I start a hunt, I start I use the Hark mode, which tracks my you know where I'm going. But when I'm done, I can say me back to where i started mm. and i can say backtrack or i can say straight line we used it in the territory do you remember that yeah. Ian? we yeah. were we shot we shot you shot your um your buff we were running out of daylight and we um and we at the time we realized we didn't have any head torches with us but so ian did have us in his pack he didn't actually check but it mm. was I, I remembered i'd forgotten mine and we needed to get back to the vehicle as quickly as possible so on the Garmin watch i just said straight line back to where we started. And it took us back and all I had to do was look at my watch because it's got a built-in GPS. So yes, I'm not using it for mapping, but if I need to get back to where I started from, I can backtrack or I can just go straight line. And And it got us back to camp before we lost light. That's generally what most Probably a little
0: bit
2: beyond the, how do I start this on a budget? Uh, with your... Yeah, uh, look, these watches, yeah, they're not
1: cheap, got, 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 but we're just yeah. saying that you don't need to go out and buy a Garmin Rhino. You, potentially, no. Well, that's you've the got... thing.
0: I think what it is is do you need a GPS? Yes. Can yeah. your phone act as a GPS? Yes. A so you've got one. Does it cost me you've any more one. than me just having the phone? No. no. What, well, what about, what about you know, uh, if I don't have signal, events and maps that the game council, oh, sorry, uh, DPI, New South Wales, supply you, don't require you to have signals. So you can, you can, they can run without signal. So there it is. You don't need to buy that price. You don't need to buy that. Um, do you need to have uh, a personal locator beacon? It's a really good idea that you do. Are there any options? There's plenty of other options. There's things like Zolio, which means that you've got the personal locator beacon and you can text wherever you want to be. So you've got communications. Is there cost involved uh... in that? Of course, there is. Is it probably a cheaper iPhone, option? IPhone,
2: yeah. If you're an iPhone 14 user, they've got
0: SOS on them now. is it a cheaper option? Yes, it is. So you can actually have the later quality in technology for a cheaper option. So there is mm. there's ways about smarter around this. Um, just as much, you know, there is way, ways to save save yourself some coin and actually have really good gear. Um, so other things you. Can't kind of you can't kind of you can't cut the costs on because they're simply that that level of quality, but you build up to those things. I mean, boots for example, you know, you can get a reasonable pair of boots that'll do you in most dry weather conditions, or you can spend lots and lots and lots of money on boots.
2: And in the territory, we were pretty much wearing, you know. Um, reasonable quality sand shoes. I mean, I was wearing um, Keens, for example. Mm. You know, mm. from the local from the local shop, um, just so that there were a I really a light, of- a lightweight pair of runners, almost.
1: I had a I had a pair of Merrill hiking boots, just basic off the shelf, nothing special, no leather or anything like that, because they were breathable and comfortable, and they served me on. I know, yeah.
2: yeah. So we'll, we'll bring up the um, the topic that. Uh, we were raised in the, in the pre-chat, um, obviously with, with rifles, there's a cost of ownership. If you're getting into this, there's buying the rifle, there's getting the license, there's uh, making sure that you've got storage, there's range time. If you don't have access to property, et cetera, et cetera, ammunition. So there's an argument to say that an entry level into hunting uh, can be done with a bow. Now um, it's not, Assume that you can go and buy a bow and go hunting straight away because there's a lot to bow hunting. It's a lot of practice you have to put into it to be proficient, etc. If you go through that process and you're not measuring success as a level of cost, um, you can get actively hunting for even less. And I've had friends of mine that have said, I, I, "I love to do what you're doing. I want to come along on your trips, but I live in town." I'm in a block of units. I rent. I'm not allowed a rifle. How, what do I do? And I said, well, you could get into bow hunting if you're interested, but it takes a lot of commitment and time. Um, so there's that. You don't have to get licenses for those, um, and you can go and get yourself a, a an R license for under a hundred dollars, and you're ready to go hunting. You know, within a week.
0: Yep. Um, generally. I have noticed that hunts hunters generally end up owning owning rifles anyway, but yeah, um... I've, there is a
1: trend. We're <laughs> talking no, about Dave Willie again, aren't
0: we? I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a false economy, but I uh, uh, certainly it is. I mean, yeah, I mean it is a it is a more uh, price conscious op- option to start with, most definitely. I mean, you still got to practice with it. You still got to have range time, but you might be able to do that at home. You'd be yep. able to, you still got to do. I mean, I've got bows. They're not exact. They're not that cheap, but I mean, yeah, they're cheaper.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get some very expensive ones. Um, yeah,
1: I guess they could. It could end up being a rabbit hole, just like raffles. You're always going to want better, and the, the best is, and the latest and greatest.
0: There is a. There is a. There is a. I suppose. A reality here, and it's like anything that you do. And you know, if you if you if you wanted to save money, you would not own fishing rods. You would just go straight to the you know deli and just buy fish. Okay, just yeah, yeah there I was it is. Wondering when this. I think, point that's would come what up. you do. You just go. <laughs> you know, you would just literally do that. You know, you would. I got fishing rods in there that you know I've got. You just buy buy fish. If you want to save money, don't go hunting. Go to Woolies. It's gonna be cheaper. But if you want to have a life worth living, then go fishing, go hunting, go out. So I think that the 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 cost should never be a a prohibitive point. You should, you just gotta figure out a way to get around it. Yeah, and big, if you yeah. think cost is a prohibitive for you, then we just need to figure out how to how to stop that from being prohibitive. We're just gonna we're to get smart around it. That's what it is because it, the activity itself is what you want to do. So it's a, and we all are uh, examples. And there's plenty of other examples of where you can get going for very very cheap. as about as cheap as you can in most things. Um, so yeah, I I I. I, I Kind of get a bit funny when people start to do the cost benefit analysis of hunting. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't want to, I don't. I don't need to look at those. If that was a business, someone says, "Here, Mark, I want you to look at this business that's worth buying. It's a hunting business." I just go, oh, "Shit! <laughs> look at those poor bastards. They must have been, got nothing." But that's it. So that, that we we know that's the reality. You know, as I said, people think I'm rich because of my gears. I'm not rich. I'm just irresponsible. I'll, just, I'll just see something shiny and I'll go buy it. <laughs> the Ooh, comment talk- on
2: Facebook I saw was, um, um, you, you all you all know the uh, he he who dies with the most toys wins comment, but there was uh, another one that someone posted up today, which was, uh, oh, something along the lines of um, buy toys now because you can't get them when you're dead. Something like that. Yeah, you, you may as well enjoy your life while you have got it. So,
0: that's it. And uh, the, ultimately, we none of us got into hunting for the cost benefit analysis. We got into hunting because you know it was uh, an activity that there's no other way we could to achieve what we wanted to achieve without immersing ourselves in it. And I, and I c- constantly want to pr- promote that to people. Don't look at this as a as a as a as a cheap way of gathering meat.
1: As you said, it's a lot <laughs> cheaper from Woolies.
0: Don't <laughs> so like, look at this as look at this as you're going to actually do something worthwhile. And then there's all these other benefits around it. You know, there's a there's a myriad of benefits around it that to you, to other to to others, but ultimately this is an activity that's going to be beneficial to you in your life. So pursue it. And figure out a way to pursue it but don't don't let the the don't let the guy with the you know the matching gear and the matching rifle and the matching pack and matching everything else put get put you off get into it well said mm-hmm.
2: definitely
0: okay. so we leave it there mark quite okay, sure.
2: That's, 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 that's some some wise words still in a podcast.
0: Cool.